Welcome to Seeds, a show where we talk about purpose with inspiring people making a positive impact with their lives. We are particularly interested in social enterprises and entrepreneurs. We will listen to them reflect on their journeys and take time to dig deeper in order to better understand what really motivates their choices. Well, hey everyone, welcome along to the show. I am glad that you could join me today as we get to speak with Georgia Robertson, who's the CEO of Humanitics. And we have a really amazing conversation about her background, where she's come from, what's led her to this point. Here's an excerpt from my conversation with her. I've always really enjoyed the business development side of, of everyone has to you know market themselves and, and build their relationships, networks and businesses. Like that's exciting. Mm-hmm. But you know all of it's new and the charity side of it, I'm really excited that I still get to do a lot of the sort of like risk and corporate stuff within mm-hmm. the business more broadly um, as, as across Australia and New Zealand. Mm-hmm. and that, it's really nice to have that. but you know bookkeeping is something <laughs> I've never done. So in that sense, it's been really challenging and the mental agility required to pick up and put down different things that you haven't done before and you know just running with it and dealing with being okay being uncomfortable mm. and okay just being on a really steep learning curve but that's that's also what I love about it that's why I wanted to do it as right. well like that's it's challenging and you're growing all the time um, but it's also been really great having the support of we're one team. So there's 13 of us across Australia and New Zealand and we all work together. I'm in contact with them every day and they're supporting me, they're supporting um, the business, they're supporting our clients, um, everything. So it's it's really cool. It's, it isn't just me. Well, I know you're going to enjoy this interview because it's one of those ones where we touch on so many different topics. If you do, then consider checking out some of the almost 100 other interviews in the back catalogue for Seeds. Now let's get into this conversation with Georgia. So it's a pleasure to welcome Georgia Robertson, who's the New Zealand CEO of Humanitics. It's great to have you here. Thanks, David. Um, I'm really excited to talk with you because I think the model that is being introduced by Humanitics is really fascinating one, and I don't think many people have heard of it before, (laughs) um, here in New Zealand anyway. But what you're doing um, with the ticketing arrangements and then actually supporting charities through that is quite a novel and unique way of doing things. Um, so I want to talk about that, but before we do that, I'd love to find out more about your own background and where you're from. So do you mind telling us a bit about your story? Yeah, absolutely. So I am, I'm a born and bred Cantabrian. I grew up and went to school in Ashburton, um, which was really great. I've got an awesome group of friends from there. And afterwards I went down to Otago and pursued, um, studies in politics and law. So what was it like growing up in Ashburton? Yeah, yeah, it's a small town. I went to the school there, so um, I yeah, had exposure to all sorts of people from different walks of life, um, made really, really great friends from there. I spent a lot of time up in Christchurch as well, mm-hmm. um, involved with lots of different things in the community. And, and what type of things did you enjoy when you were a child? Were you, was your family sort of, did you go camping and that type of thing, or was it, yeah, what, what kept you busy? Yeah, yeah, sure. Lots of things. It's um, I've always been one of those people who does too many things, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, that's always been a bit of a challenge to moderate that. I um, yeah have a really tight knit family group. We spend a lot of our time down in Wanaka. We have a house down there, and there's a group of um, families who all went to university with my parents, and we call ourselves the Wanaka Fano. Um, and yeah, we're really, really close with them. So there's mm-hmm. a, a bunch of us, and every summer and every school holiday, we've grown up. 
going down there and skiing and boating and right doing so it's like having and, lots of cousins sort of it is in a way <laughs> it absolutely is it absolutely is they're like they're truly family yeah. yeah that's really cool that's great what sort of things did you enjoy in high school yeah I did a bunch of stuff in high school I as I went through I focused a lot in the realms of history and English in terms of my studies I always loved language and in the arts I um, did a lot of sports so I swam competitively, I was in all the netball teams, basketball, um, yeah, sunk my teeth into basically anything that I could and did a lot of leadership work across across the board as well. So once I got sort of higher up and through school, I was on the student exec. Um, my portfolio with that was, um, I'm trying to think of what it's called. Um, so was this in high school or university? This or? is high school. And yeah. high, yeah, so that was like student exec work. And I was I did the sort of social stuff. So ran things like the 40-hour famine, mm-hmm. um, the canteen fundraisers, those types of things. And was part of the Canterbury Youth Council. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my last year, I got the opportunity. They um, do a youth parliament sitting every couple of years. And I got the opportunity with Joe Goodhue, who at the time was the national MP for Rangitata, to go and sit um, on behalf of her in Parliament and have an experience of what that looked like. Oh, right. So that was a really interesting experience too. And what was that like? As a, how old were you? 16 or 17? Or uh, or? Yeah, I was 17 at the time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it was it was full full on. It was three days of going in and you do question time, you, do, you get allocated onto a select committee, you do all of those types of things. So yeah, I guess you can possibly see that where I led into with a politics and law degree was probably quite informed by that. Right, you um, had a little experience or a taste, huh? <laughs> yeah, a little taste, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah and you cool. mentioned, just because I think it might be relevant later, but you mentioned like supporting World Vision and that type of things. Had, yeah. Had, had you always been drawn to charities and sort of, I guess, helping out in some way? Or yeah. where, where did that come from? Was it yeah. your parents or? Yeah, I think so. I have, um, I've always been, some of the people who have been most inspiring across my life for me have been those who have been closest, including my grandparents and my mum and dad. Um, Dad's a lawyer in Ashburton and he um, does a lot of work in the community. He um, did a lot of the fundraising for the EA Network Centre and just really um, a family man and really involved with the community. And mum is a English teacher at Ashburton College. She's um, head of faculty at the moment. She's so up the curve in terms of technology and does amazing work. Um, She's with the Māori and Pacifica and ESOL kids as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's really dedicated to her life to a lot of that. Right. Um, so you had some models to look to to see this absolutely. sort of, you know, it's not yeah. just about me, it's about yeah. the others in the community. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and you gran- mentioned yeah. your grandparents as well. What what did you see in their lives? I mean, I mean, I've said this, I say this to a lot of people actually. Um, yeah, my granny is one of the biggest inspirations as well. She, um, they were farmers for years and she, when they retired to Ashburton, she became a carer for IHC. Um, so she's always, I guess, um, all, all of them have always imbued this sense of, I mean, they grew up in a Catholic household as well. I'm not particularly religious, mm-hmm. but um, one of it was just one of those ones. It's like I had a values-based education mm-hmm. and have always seen that as sort of understood the level of privilege that I have to be raised in the environment I have with the family that I have and the friends Mm -hmm. and the networks and the opportunities that's allowed me to have. Mm -hmm. I've never not been able to do something that I wanted to do. I've never experienced that. And so recognizing that that's such a privilege and sort of, I guess, creates a bit of a moral duty in Mm -hmm. my view. It's the whole thing about altruism, right? It feels good. It feels good to make a difference. Um, 
and that's something that keeps you going yeah yeah so you experienced that quite early on it sounds like yeah, yeah yeah that's cool so then you went to otago you said yeah i did yeah yeah so i um i went down to knox college and i did two years there mm-hmm. um it was one of those ones you get a message before you head down and it's like um from the president at the time and they say you don't know it yet but you're going to meet all of your best friends and they're going to be your best friends for life um and you sort of look at it and you're like man that's cheesy but it's so true really? um yeah. yeah so i spent two years there and was involved on i did a lot of the management of the sporting side of it with um the exec there and another guy and yeah just had an absolute blast and so i focused my areas of study on law and switched my english major into politics in my second year um and we lived in a flat of there were 12 girls of us we lived um on a flat on bath street which is just off the corner of george street mm. um behind the octagon and it was like living with 12 of your best friends wow yeah <laughs> for three years it was so great yeah yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah. And, and what was it, do you think, that made that sort of unique culture? What was it that made it so special? What I loved about it and what I thought um, was special about it was the sense and focus on community and mm-hmm. on, on building that community. It's that continuity across two years. Um, and you, it, it's everyone is there because they're like, okay, I want this to be the experience that I have from university. I want to be involved. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I think... A lot of the university culture has there's lots of sides to that and there's lots of challenges within that but i had a really positive experience mm. um and and having you know all of those um activities and all the structure and the environment to create those kinds of like deep friendships mm. was something that i really value um the girls who i live with and 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 beyond that as well and the people who are in my law class um they're, yeah, some of my best friends. Yeah, that's oh, awesome. That's we ha- we've got our reunion coming up. Oh, really? Again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've got, <laughs> you know, we've got the group chats, and you're constantly, yeah. They're all right. doing amazing things. So you stay in touch. Oh, all the like daily. That's nice. yeah, yeah, daily. Yeah. It's it's one of those ones that like you see those quotes, and it's like behind every person's another girl checking her email. Of, like, right. <laughs> it's, it's like that. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good. Well, it's great that you've been able to maintain the community sort of beyond the initial. Because honestly, when I think back to my university time, it was a great community, made lots of good friends and things, but I don't stay in touch with them, you know, now, mm. almost 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I just wonder if technology is kind of an enabler that wasn't there when I was finishing up in Such the same an way. Enabler. You know, like even things like LinkedIn, you know, that mm. you can, I'm connected with people now that mm. I don't really see, but. Mm we have that connection through technology Mm. it's kind of interesting to think how that's changed the dynamics Mm. Mm. yeah i always think it's interesting when you catch up with people and you say so how are you or Mm. what's news and you sit there in your brain being like oh my gosh what do i tell you because it's been a while since we caught up so and there's so many different granular things that you could tell them so you kind of end up high level whereas i think technology is amazing because you are connected and yeah you know it's not that same level of deep connection you get face to face but you at least get all of that granular context so then when you do catch up sure it feels yeah, more meaningful like, oh george i saw that picture that you were in nelson was it did you enjoy it yeah, you know, like yeah. there's some some context isn't there yeah exactly yeah so you studied law was that um you said your father was a lawyer so mm-hmm. was that a big influence or how yes. did you come to study like yeah, yeah talk yeah. us through that i mean i was a classic case of i'm good at english i'm good at history mm-hmm. therefore i should be a lawyer i'm yeah. good at arguing i'm a 
can be quite outspoken sometimes. Sure. All those types of things. Yeah. So it was it felt like a natural fit. Yeah. And the politics side of it, you know, I'd I'd always had that and you know, mum has always been a really big influence in terms of like reading as kids. Like yeah. our family traditions are things like we get a stack of books every birthday and Christmas. Right. Um that's cooking cool. books as well. Um, that's <laughs> another big thing in our household. But um yeah, just things like that. It's it's really been influential. And you know, the the topics that she's exposed us to and introduced yeah. us to um have always been really thought provoking. And yeah. so that was what I wanted to get out of it. I went into law um Yes, because dad was a lawyer and, and I looked up to him so much. I was like, I want to be like dad and, mm-hmm. and do all of this. But I didn't really know what it meant and what actually working in um, an office did. I had my first job in a law office with him doing all of the after school um, mail and banking and mm-hmm. the, the tea and that kind of stuff. And that was really cool to sort of be inside the culture of it. But it wasn't, yeah, it, I, I didn't know what it was in terms of, what it would look like working and it was really interesting I guess I went into it thinking that I would go into more of an adversarial role right so probably more court work or litigation yeah based on what I thought my strengths were and what my interests were but yeah I quickly got into a bunch of stuff at uni and realized that actually I wanted something different and that was sort of when I made the move towards corporate and commercial mm-hmm. which was something that I really hadn't thought would be a fit for me mm. um yeah and that was I think i I value Ignite for that. That was, um, they're a really cool charity here in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. They're a nonprofit. They do business consulting for charities, started in Dunedin. Um, they match up teams of students in groups of five with a brief that a charity gives them. So it's something that the charity is potentially struggling with or would like a third opinion on. And the whole point is to say, okay, we've got this whole knowledge capital sitting here in university mm-hmm. with all these diverse skill sets and diverse worldviews, how do we harness that, put it together and use that mm. to help these charities right. who, you know, work really hard and often you don't have the most funding and although, you know, there's unique challenges to running a charity in the mm. community sector. Um, so how can we bolster that and improve that experience and try and harness some of that knowledge sitting inside the universities and I that, see. you know, hunger for students to be involved and make a difference yeah. and embed those two things together. So that was really exciting. So I sat on the exec for that and managed a bunch of really cool projects. Um, one's for like the Dunedin Community Law Centre. Um, right. My first one was for the Dunedin um, Community Salmon Trust. That was a really interesting sort of uh-huh. sustainability project. Um, uh, yeah, so all, all sorts of really interesting things. But what first and foremost that allowed me to see was that at an organisational level, you can have a huge impact mm-hmm. and that businesses are this amazing vehicle for being able to drive that. And actually, I guess I'd sort of been like, oh, do I want to work in an environment where I'm just advising businesses on mm. whatever fight they're in at the moment? Um, and I think that was a really naive view. And so it was really eye-opening to be mm. able to see, okay, well, actually, these organisations have so many touch points for different relationships and different verticals and all the different things that they're doing. Mm. And being able to have some influence within that structure, mm. that was what was exciting me. Yeah. And yeah, I loved, loved the systems aspect and the strategy and like yeah. all of those kinds of things. So rather than focusing on the immediate problem, like advising on this dispute right now, yeah. you're talking about the bigger picture, like let's get the structure right, let's get our strategy right, yeah. let's make sure that the organization is functioning the best way. That yeah. was what was unveiled yeah. to you. And like, you know, how can you innovate? How can you be creative? Yeah. I mean, I'd never considered myself a creative person. I suck at drawing all of those <laughs> like traditional places of creativity. My sister is amazing she 
does beautiful um, charcoal drawings and she's got a great eye for fashion and I've, I've just never had that. And yeah, it was really interesting being like, oh man, like this isn't just a stodgy framework. Like there's, right. <laughs> there's so much going on in the world. There's so much cool innovation. Mm. Um, and yeah, I guess I hadn't been exposed to that before. And when I was, it was really exciting. Right. And you, I think you used the word impact, you know, that impact is something that can happen through the business or the structures that, that are set up. Yeah. And that's where lawyers can actually help, right? To get the structures right. And, yeah. 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 And like, I mean, I went into, I went into um, law, the decisions that I've made around where I, where I would go and what I would do. I wanted to come back to Canterbury and I wanted to establish my networks here. And mm-hmm. I, I love Canterbury, I love Wanaka, I love mm-hmm. the connection to all of that type of thing. And a lot of my friends were moving to Auckland and Wellington and overseas. And mm-hmm. I mean, that exodus is really starting to happen now, especially. Um, and so I sort of looked around where I wanted to work and had friends within DC who just recommended it really highly. Mm-hmm. And so I yeah, pushed really hard to get interviews with them. And so it was when I was on exchange, um, I, was li- I lived in Amsterdam for about six months and studied a bunch of um, legal courses in the sort of master's realm over there and just did int- interest papers. So things mm-hmm. like international refugee law, like looking at how the UNHCR um, tackles placing refugees in countries. And, and that was just absolutely mind-blowing in terms of the scale of what's going on and yeah did things like international media law um the paper that i think about the most that was hilarious looking back and at the time i didn't fully appreciate what i was doing was the paper on shareholder activism in hedge funds and at the time i i googled i was like what is a hedge fund <laughs> so i was so embarrassed that i had to google that and like look at all these things and all these other students were like to- totally across it and um at the time i was sort of looking at it being like oh i wonder how all of this works and and looking back now it's it's so simple and obvious to me it's like oh my right. gosh this is the start of that was looking exactly at this trend right it's looking yeah. at people who are voting for st- you know, economic sustainability and governance measures mm-hmm. for their financial reporting and their returns. It's, you know, that was the start of this, like, how do you look at impact within, um, yeah, within investing, for mm-hmm. example. So, yeah, I didn't even know I was operating in that realm at the time. But when yeah. I look back, I giggle, I read the paper that I wrote and it was shocking. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Your really interesting. Barely touching the water at yeah, that point, huh? yeah, absolutely. not knowing what would come later. <laughs> no, exactly. And that experience overseas, did that heighten your sense of identity as a Kiwi? And, and did it make you realize, I want to come back? Because yeah, like, sure. sometimes if you go overseas, it's like, oh, I want to I live in London now. I want to go to New York. Or how did it work out for you? Because you said it was six yeah. months, right? Yeah, it was. So it was, it was an exchange. Mm-hmm. So I, um, a student from the University of Amsterdam came over to Dunedin mm-hmm. and studied in Otago while I did the same yeah. over there. And so I had one friend from Otago who went to the same place and I'd had friends who'd been to the same university before that and they'd really highly recommended it. And yeah, I absolutely loved it. I mean, there's only 800,000 people that live in Amsterdam, mm-hmm. but because it's such a tourism mecca, mm-hmm. um, it seems bigger, but it had that beautiful... Um, smaller community feel to it and a lot of the stuff that I love to do like all the parks it was amazing biking around all the time Um, all of all of those kinds of things and the cultural side of it they've got such progressive social policies it was really really exciting to be a part of all of that and yeah what I wanted to do from it is I guess what a lot of young Kiwis want to do is experience the world and understand what it's like outside we're so remote Mm -hmm. and like you say yeah getting a sense of 
that light reflecting back on what you know and how that's different to other people sometimes a really good barometer for mm. you know what do you value and what would you change if you could change it and yeah, yeah. and do you what think you reflecting now looking back do you think you know the person who arrived there and the person who left six months later how how did it change you um yeah i, or I did it just I reinforce I think it, yeah, what it was, you already were <laughs> <laughs> yeah sure sure yeah I think it, it was more of a reinforcer I think I got to the end of that six months and I really wanted to I was excited to get home I couldn't mm. wait to get back to the flat and all the girls and see my family and all those types of things mm. and that was interesting because I'd always thought of myself and, and I am a fairly independent person in terms of going after what I've identified that I want to do and yeah, it was really interesting and humbling to be like, oh man, I'm actually quite a homebody. <laughs> like I hadn't had that identity before. And I was like, yeah, but I think, isn't that special? And that was what was really, really um, warm to be like, oh, how lucky am I that I have this, to, that I want to be involved with. You know? yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, I loved the traveling. I loved all the challenges of all of that. Yeah. And, yeah. It's just interesting. I think sometimes when people go overseas, their own sense of identity gets developed so for me when I was 21 I did three years at university then spent one year in Japan mm. and just being in Japan like it's so different that it actually made me question oh who am I you know all the big yeah, questions of life yeah. who am I what do I believe in what do yeah. I stand for where do I want to live you yeah. know and it helped me I guess coming back to New Zealand so yeah. it's just interesting to hear other yeah. people's perspectives yeah no I don't think I was ready for that I yeah. wasn't open to that process mm -hmm. and I didn't do that work um on myself for mm -hmm. another couple of years mm -hmm. like it's been probably quite recent that I've really had to get honest and vulnerable about what I'm doing what mm -hmm. I want to be achieving and how mm -hmm. um yeah so it's been really so cool. so let's talk about that now and then we can go back to how you ended up where you were but yeah what was it that triggered that sort of deeper discussion and, and thinking for yourself yeah interesting um was there an event or a conversation or did it just sort of lead up to it that... yeah I, th I think it was just one of those cumulative ones and mm -hmm. for me I mean the thing I'm I'm extremely this sounds terrible I'm extremely competitive um and I and I think that's a good thing in the sense that you're always wanting to do better and always like looking around and being like man am I am I where I should be am I and I use a lot of that as a way to sort of continue progressing and mm -hmm. looking at what's out there. And yeah, I guess I have an awesome community of people around me who are all doing a lot of that kind of stuff and mm -hmm. who are all really taking ownership of what they are doing in their lives and professionally and outside of that as well. And mm -hmm. I guess you, you get in the wave and you're like, oh, oh, okay, what do I need to work on myself? And mm -hmm. have done that work with um, people who... Uh, in that friend circle and all the rest of it and getting involved I guess with um, groups of people who I didn't know who were um, a little bit outside of my comfort zone as well so I'm part of the Christchurch Hub of Global Shapers for example and I'd never done really any like serious open like vulnerability work and right. then got sort of smacked in the face with it at a retreat um, and it was really confronting but it was really opening as well mm. so this is really recent history for you then yeah this, this open, you know yeah this openness <laughs> oh yeah. yeah absolutely so talk us through what that was like you know the the retreat like what was it that was so describe a bit more about that because i'm just curious for the listeners to be able to understand what you went through and what you learned then in that because yeah. i think it maybe will help them as well in their own lives and their own sense yeah. of purpose yeah sure i think there were a few drivers firstly 
I had gotten to that point where I was no longer a grad um, in terms of my career. I was working in the type of work I wanted to be doing. So mm-hmm. buying and selling businesses, capital markets, corporate advisory, and was really excited by that. I'd um, started another, um, I'd started off on a governance journey. I'd wanted to get into governance really badly to start building that up. And so I went on to the board of Youthline um, Charitable Trust. I chair that board now, and that's been about a year that I've been doing that too. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, between that, all of those things and getting into the Global Shapers Hub and just introductions to all these amazing people, I'd really sort of look, started looking and evaluating, okay, what do I want my life to look like? And you, know, you go and you break that down into, okay, as a lawyer, how do I get to being partner and what does that look like by the time I get there like are the skills that I have right now the skills that are going to get me to where I need to be Mm. and the answer was no it's not enough you need to do more Mm. Um, you need to grow and you need to have new skills and so yeah I read a lot of books and listen to podcasts and you know have really great communities of people who have gone through those processes and mentors within DC and Mm. outside of it as well who you know and you talk about okay well what does it mean to be a partner in a law firm what does it mean to be really successful and what does it mean to be a woman who's a partner mm-hmm. um and you know having to be really honest about okay what do i want my life to look like and what is it going to take for me as a young woman to get there too because there's you know unique factors around what that pathway could entail mm-hmm. and yeah i was like okay well you have to you're a leader what does that mean what is leadership and mm-hmm. i guess all of these shifting paradigms around what are the skills of the future so Mm. adaptability cultural competence empathy tech flexible working all, all of these different things and yeah it was it was like okay well this is all new so we're going to have to do the work to figure out how to upskill and mm. how to keep progressing and keep moving forward mm. um, so to do that i had to look at myself and be okay well and what skills am i lacking and what do i need to do in order to do that I need to be vulnerable I need to be honest and I can't hide behind all the things that I think about myself that I say you know oh they're going to find you out or oh you're not really that good or all those things that you tell yourself when you've got that level of fear about oh but am I good enough to progress like am I going to be a good lawyer you know am I good enough to be put in front of all of these huge clients and running these huge deals and I was really lucky I had a really supportive team who would always push you further and always you know they'd say you know just take it and run with it. We're here to support mm. that to happen, which was really empowering. Mm. So yeah, I guess it was just a matter of being like, if I really want this and want to make this work, I want to do it well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it sounds to me like it was kind of defining what success actually means for you. You yeah. know, like uh, how does it fit? What is it? What is it I want to do with my life? You know, the big, yeah. the big the questions. Big questions. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But yeah. the other thing that I really enjoy about this conversation is you keep coming back to your circle of friends and your community. And I get the sense that that, you know, the cohort of people supporting you is a really big part of what makes you who you are, which I think is yeah. really important. And the reason I'm highlighting it is that too often in Western culture, it's kind of like the individual, like, is, yeah. is highlighted, you know, like yeah. this person did it and they did it on their own. Whereas what you're talking about is actually, yeah. it wasn't just me. I had yeah. a lot of help. I had mentors. I had people I could talk to. Yeah. And I think that's the type of culture that we should be encouraging for the future mm. is it's not, it's not just this individual who suddenly achieved it. It's actually mm. everyone around them that supported mm. them. And, and, you know, together we got there rather than Mm. look at me (laughs) yeah that's so true and I think it's like you know you can look at things and be like oh like 
humanetics, for example, mm. people, the, the number one question you get is, how, how did you, how did this happen? Mm. Um, and if you look at it from a high level, it's like, oh, this is super random. You just happen to stumble across them on, on a Google search from doing a bunch of things. And you look at it and it's like, well, that was born out of the fact that I'd looked at what I wanted to do, the framework that I wanted to do that in it. The mo- at the time, the vehicle was law. And I, had um, with another solicitor within DC, Bridget, she, her and I built the social enterprise practice there. Mm-hmm. And because we were like, we want to be able to use our commercial skill sets to help. Mm-hmm. And so what we did with, with DC's support was create a social enterprise practice area. And so we were supporting startup social enterprises to lift them off the ground. We had these amazing caliber of panelists who came in for a series of events. We had 100 plus people attending them mm-hmm. and just trying to build communities and create conversations around that. Mm-hmm. And that was it was really that that it was born out of in the mm-hmm. sense that both of us were doing the work to say, this is the kind of direction we want to take our careers in, recognizing we're responsible for that, wanting to take the initiative and make it happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all of the years of getting involved and trying to help out and trying to use the skills that you have to make a difference in the world that becomes a better place. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, that was something that, at its most simplest, that was, yeah, how you, I guess, you kind of can make a pathway. Yeah. So I'd love to talk a little bit about humanetics. Yeah. And just, um, you mentioned a Google search. (laughs) Is that your, was that your first encounter with them? And just talk us through how you got connected with them. And also, I really want to understand what they're doing yeah. <laughs> and how it actually works. Because um, as you know, I've signed up now. I have an account. Yes. I can yes. actually run events. But people who are listening maybe won't know like yeah. how easy or difficult it is. And so it'd be good to talk through what exactly is happening right now. Yeah, Humanitics is the world's first nonprofit events ticketing platform. Yeah. So, yeah, so we redistribute 100% of our profits that we get from booking fees. Um, into education charities in New Zealand and abroad to help tackle global inequality. So how did you actually find out about them initially? Yeah, so I, yeah, I, I was doing a lot of events at the time and some of those events were focusing on sustainability. Mm-hmm. So I thought, you know, we, we were talking, Bridget and I, around well, how, how can these events be an example of best procurement practice? How, how can we socially procure these? Um, so we were looking at social enterprise catering. We were looking at the materials used in the event. And I was just toying around with the idea of, oh, I wonder if someone does ticketing as a social mm. enterprise. And mm. it was 7.30 one night. And between, I was waiting on some banking documents to come in from a deal. And I just threw out an email, um, Googled social enterprise tickets. And right. James, he's the head of operations, came back to me and said, how, do you, how did you hear about us? You're in New Zealand. <laughs> I just said, I Googled you. Um, but it started a conversation that went across the whole last year, right. um, I, I met with um, one of the co-founders, Josh, when I went on a trip with some of my friends to Sydney. I mm-hmm. was, went and caught up with him at the same time and, yeah, just heard more about what they were doing and built a relationship over that period of time, was trying to support their entry into New Zealand. They'd gained incredible traction in Australia over mm-hmm. the last three years. So it was, yeah, three years ago now that Adam and Josh started it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've, yeah, they've just built this absolutely innovative platform. So tell us a little bit about how they started it, you know, like. Yeah, so Humanitics came out of toying with how can you create 
global impact at scale and using using technology as a vehicle for that. And so t- ticketing was um, where they landed in terms of a vehicle to achieve that. You've mm-hmm. got a billion dollar industry glo- um, worldwide. You've got recurring revenue through ticket sales. Um, it's there's a lot of big players out there in the market, but you know even if you're only three percent of that market, you're still driving tens of thousands of dollars into charities. Um, so we've got really big goals where we want to take it, but it was born out of saying, okay, well, how can we really realise those goals of using our skill sets to make a difference, recognising the privilege that we have, mm-hmm. and creating some good in the world. And the exciting thing that I think keeps all of us going in the team is. It's not just the social good side of it that's really exciting. It's a chance to be involved with a cutting-edge technology platform, mm. creating systems change, um, and that's super exciting. It's that it's sustainable, but the scale of it could just go absolutely gangbusters. So it's mm. really cool. Yeah, that is exciting. And we were talking before we started recording. You know that the plans aren't just to stay limited to Australia, and New Zealand, right? You're you're kind of thinking beyond that? Yeah, like, so our goal is to be fully self-funding across New Zealand, Australia, the US and the UK. Um, we are looking at the US in the next, in the UK in the next 18 months or so. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's awesome. It's it's that real startup environment where you're just hustling every day. You, know, you get up every day is tough and you're going up against some of the biggest countries in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just, I have to pinch myself sometimes about what we're doing um, in that sense. But it is also really exciting because you know, we're running a really solid, commercially sound business and we've got a really compelling product. The tech is now starting to sell itself through word of mouth. Um, we've got a really engaged family of event organisers and um, the philanthropic partners that we have in Google and Atlassian, are, they've helped us build the tech and it's been really powerful to have them on board too. So mm. looking at the moment to replicate that in New Zealand. So we're a New Zealand charitable trust. We've got New Zealand employees. Um, I'm the first one. <laughs> <laughs> and working with New Zealand charities. Um, so it's really exciting. Mm. And I think it's a great opportunity for New Zealand. Um, New Zealand's small. We're really interconnected. Um, high adopters of tech. I, there's a real consensus out there that New Zealand's the incubation nation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess from a risk perspective, it's it's quite safe in the sense that you can try something in New Zealand and you can iterate and you can you can take on that feedback and see what it's like to enter a new market um, before you take on the bigger globe. Yeah. So just talk us through practically if somebody is listening and is interested in is running events or things like... Yeah, so you just go onto our website and you sign up. You, it's as simple as creating an account. Um, you prepare and sell tickets to your event. You can manage and host your event through the platform. Um, then you choose which of our charity partners you would like us to donate our booking fee profits to. And then after that, you can go and share that with all of your stakeholders. So it's really cool. Um, event organizers love how transparent the model is. So our platform reports in real time exactly what the impact is that you've created through your ticket sales. Mm -hmm. For example, one of our charity partners is Room to Read and they um, run literacy programs for young girls in some of the most disadvantaged countries in the world. And for about $70, you can put a girl through school for a year. And Mm -hmm. so you can say through your booking fees, you know, our event put 900 Mm -hmm. girls through school. Right. Yeah, so it's yeah. been it's been really powerful in that way, and we've got um, an amazing team of account managers who you know you get welcomed into the Humanitics family when you sign up. Mm. You're, you're part of a community, and you um, we help you the whole way through it. And mm. yeah, we as, in addition to just our sort of 
the more basic stuff, you know, it's free for free events and mm. we donate our platform at cost to charities. So if you're running a fundraiser or a charitable event, we don't take any profit at all. Mm. So we just say, you know, we need to lower the cost of administration in this sector. It's already, you know, hard enough out there in the funding landscape. So let's, you know, lower the cost for the sector generally and create some benefit to them too. Mm. So there's lots of different moving parts to it. Yeah, yeah, but it makes sense from somebody who I I do organize events and things. Yeah, and I used to like <laughs> it sounds really old school, but I used to get people to email me. You know, yes, yeah, I want to come, yeah. and then I had a little spreadsheet yeah. and I put their names in, and then I would be like, okay, I need you to pay twenty dollars for the food, and you need to and manage then, your bank account. Yeah, and need cost to them work out. And... So um, you can just say, well, here's the link, and you cook it. You know, you enter your in your credit card info, mm-hmm. and then it takes away the stress of having to organize it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but the the benefit with you, I think, is that actually you know that the profits are going to benefit this charity or that charity. So, mm. yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's it's been really powerful. I mean, we've we've found that the platform works really well for conferences, for small to medium venues, festivals, workshops, mm-hmm. gala dinners, awards nights. Mm-hmm. Um, all the way through to schools. So everything from two and three person cooking classes all the way up to, you know, thirty thousand person events mm-hmm. we can we've been doing and it's really cool. So the dev team are amazing. They're bringing out new features and new products mm-hmm. every week we sit on these showcases and you're just, I just am so excited all the time because I mean mm-hmm. tech is a sector that's new to me. Um, I've, I've sort of been involved with it from a, from a corporate side, mm-hmm. but I haven't been embedded in it before. And so mm-hmm. it's really cool to see um, exactly how it works and learning how awesome it is yeah um, yeah and as you know i work as a lawyer so i'm quite used to billable units and you know time yeah. sheets and things just because that's what you were doing you know we were on the same page in terms of our yeah. what, what we do what's it been like for you to go from that sort of quite structured approach i guess to this startup world you know wake up get onto it work and work and work <laughs> yeah uh, how has that been and how are you taking care of yourself as well in terms of you know, having a bit of breaks and that type yeah. of thing. Yeah, good question. I'm, I'm used to that level of pressure and that level of, you know, long hours and, and the pressure that can come with that. The biggest shift for me and the biggest challenge for me in terms of running a startup has been the agility. So it's all the different verticals that you're involved across. So, you know, mm-hmm. tech is new, running a business is new, um, sales as, as, a, as a discipline is new, mm. um, I've always really enjoyed the business development side of, of everyone has to, you know, market themselves and, and build their relationships, networks and businesses. Like, that's exciting. Mm-hmm. But, you know, all of it's new. And the charity side of it, I'm really excited that I still get to do a lot of the sort of like risk and corporate stuff within mm-hmm. the business more broadly um, as, as across Australia and New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And that, it's really nice to have that. But, you know, f- bookkeeping is something <laughs> I've never done. So in that sense, it's been really challenging. And the mental agility required to pick up and put down different things that you haven't done before and you know just running with it and dealing with being okay being uncomfortable mm. and okay just being on a really steep learning curve but that's that's also what I love about it that's why I wanted to do it as right. well like that's it's challenging and you're growing all the time um, but it's also been really great having the support of we're one team. So there's 13 of us across mm-hmm. Australia and New Zealand and we all work together. I'm in contact with them every day and they're supporting me, they're supporting um, the business, they're supporting our clients, um, mm-hmm. everything. So mm-hmm. it's it's really cool. It's, it isn't just me yeah. um, at all. 
and we'll you know build more of a team up in New Zealand as we get more and more traction mm. and you know we work, we start working with event organizers more and more who are keen to come on so yeah one one event that we just ticketed recently that I'm really excited and proud of was the international the UN International Women's Day series mm. of events um but yeah we do, we do lots and lots of different ones so mm. it's for me it's getting New Zealand excited about the potential of this mm. really cool platform to drive real impact like if this thing is successful we'll be redistributing $4 million worth of funding into the charity sector that didn't exist before. Right. It's like, what could you do with that? Mm-hmm. It's so exciting. Yeah. Um, and as you achieve economies of scale across the business as well, you know, that our cost base will go down, which means our donations will get bigger. Mm. And, you know, you can really have that multiplier effect. Mm. And that's, that's why it's exciting to be using tech as a vehicle to drive that because right. you know it's the scale that you can achieve and it's the level of impact yeah so any advice for someone who's about to start a tech startup <laughs> based on your two months into it now <laughs> yeah i mean well i've got i mean i've i've had a um i've had a very lucky entry point into mm. it in the sense that i mean i haven't had to build a tech right there's platform. already a team and a community you know, there the team have invested so much of both their own money and had an amazing group of investors as well mm-hmm. um, in building this platform. And they've really worked hard to build something that's absolutely market leading. Mm-hmm. Um, because first and foremost, we're a tech company. Mm-hmm. That's that's what we do. We have to have a p- compelling piece of technology to sell. Otherwise, right. we don't have an impact. Um, so in the sense that I haven't had to build the tech, you know, I, I haven't had that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have got... You know, what my experience is being is how do you build something from the ground up and how do you, um, look, you know, you've got three years of this model being proven, this market validation in Australia that this the model works. Mm. Um, we're at a run right now of distributing $250,000 a year in Australia to charity. Mm. So it's, yeah, it's that hunger to get up every day and be like, man, I just want this to happen yesterday yeah. um you know i go on you, know, you go on facebook or you look on google and you see all these events cropping up and it's that excited anxiousness to be like yeah. i need to talk to this person oh i need to let them know about humanitics and so yeah i guess going back to your question after a, a pretty long tangent there i moved into like sort of setting up a framework for the year and sort of a mantra for the year around what i would do and i think that's the thing that's been helping me the most um Last year's one was follow through for me. And it was like, okay, I want to make sure that when I'm meeting people, I'm following up with them, closing that circle off and, you know, having better connections with people. And when it, when I say I'm going to do something, make sure I'm always following through to the greatest extent that I can, that it's mm. always closed off. And that was just something that I really wanted to focus on. And then this year, um, went down to Wanaka for three weeks over the summer, spent the whole time with my family, didn't do anything particularly strenuous, just really regrouped Mm -hmm. um, in anticipation of what might happen. And to be honest, like I had no idea what it would look like and I still don't know what it's going to look like. Um, And just being like, okay, you are going to need to accept help and you're going to need to get really good at asking for help. and all I've experienced in the two months that I've been doing this is that people are so willing to help. And I couldn't be more grateful for that. Um, you know, people from all different sectors, um, people will have two minute call with you. They say, oh, introduce to this person. Or oh, my friend runs this event mm-hmm. um, from all walks of life. Um, and people are super supportive and, you know, not being afraid to call up um, the co-founders and, or someone in the team and with a silly question 
that I, you know, that they may know the answer to. It's it's those efficiencies. Mm. I guess you know, you, you think that your value is things like, oh well, I should be able, I should know this. I should be able to show that I can do this. Mm. But that's not efficient. It's 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 knowing you know where it's your that strengths vulnerability are. Vulnerability thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, like and that's being it. open to having support and having help yeah, and relying yeah. on a community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just you know you go out there and you give it your best and you plan and you upskill as much as you can and you just hustle. Yeah. Um, and that's that's how you get things done. But um, yeah, being being vulnerable about, about feedback, um, mm-hmm. and and taking on board that feedback, but also having I guess the other challenge is having a um, a barometer for what feedback is going to work and what's not in terms of, you know, you, we know our business model, we know what we're doing, we know what we're set up to do. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a learning experience for everyone here in New Zealand because it's new in New Zealand. It's, it's not a new platform. Um, it's a, a proven platform that is, you know, taking on some really exciting things. But, mm. yeah, it's just seeing, getting out there and having those relationships with people to build. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, what we'll do is in the show notes, so if people are listening on a device, there will be a little description of this and what we talked about, and yeah. we can put links there so people will be able to go in and click mm. and find out more through that. Mm. Um, but, Georgia, it's been great to have you on the show. I really appreciate your time coming Thanks. in. I know it's a busy time in the startup world. There's always things <laughs> happening. No, pleasure. Um, yeah, but it's been real. It's, re- it's really fun to hear, you know, thinking back to your high school days and you know getting involved with charities and communities and now look what you're doing now you know like you can see a sort of a pattern and a, some things that have resonated through your life and I guess one of the things the words that we've used a bit is the vulnerability and community and I really like that because it's sort of counterculture mm. you know it's it, the the modern culture is more I'm on my own here and I can do it all whereas that being willing to be vulnerable and and actually do it as a team and with others is it's really a important thing I think so yeah nice. yeah so I'm thanks very that. much for your time and um yeah we'll be watching with interest and <laughs> see you. how it develops oh and thank you for your support too yeah it's been awesome yeah knowing you're out there championing humanitics and yeah I do my best so we'll have another impact lunch in about um a month or so so I'll be using this system to issue the tickets and brilliant yeah choose the charity Cool. So, look forward to working with you. Yeah, great. Yeah, All right. Awesome. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Georgia. I know for me, it really stood out the choices that she's making in her life and the role that community has played in them. And also, I do encourage you, if you're looking at setting up an event, why not check out what Humanetics can offer? Because as I said in the interview, they're actually a really easy to use platform and they're really doing good. If you enjoyed this episode, then check out some of the almost 100 other episodes that have come before because we're trying to interview people and get to the why of what they do. Until next time.